0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the very first episode of the Eighth Position Podcast. We're very excited to be here. Yes, very excited. Uh, We are your hosts. I'm Lawson Gardner, and I'm here with Darian Baldwin. Hello. And we are uh, really excited to finally get the ball rolling on this project. Um, This is really just an opportunity for us to interview trombonists that we admire and that we're inspired by about, you know, like lighter topics, more fun conversations, you know. Because we we imagine that these guys were going to be interviewing, or probably they get hit a lot by very heavy hitting questions about their professional goals and asking for advice and tips, and you know we just want to talk to them as people. I'm sure they don't get enough opportunities like that. Um, so yeah, Darian, do you want to talk a little bit about yourself? Introduce yourself a little bit.
1: Sure, my name's Darian, as you now know uh i'm 17 years old i live in atlanta georgia but go to school here at uncsa and study with a great guy named john illica funny i should mention him and (laughs) while i'm at home in atlanta i study with nathan zagantz i also cook i lift weights like well i do that everywhere basically anywhere i can really uh I like watching movies. I really love movies. I like playing video games. And I occasionally make overdubs. It's just fun stuff that I like to do. And I really want to be an orchestral trombone player, like sitting in an orchestra, playing with other people, meeting other people. That's just one of my favorite things to do, which is why we started this. We just want to meet some trombonists, talk about some stuff, you know, other than like uh, what's the secret to trombone, stuff like that, you know? Right, yeah. We don't want to hear about that. We want to hear like what really goes on in their lives what experiences and stories they had that are you know gives them a feeling beyond that of just playing trombone sitting Mm -hmm. in the back of an orchestra or in a jazz band or something like that right more insight
0: into you know other topics of their lives that that are you know I feel like people don't get enough of an outlet to talk about that stuff so we are here to just have conversations yeah for sure.
1: Lawson, where are you from? You live in the middle of the woods, right?
0: I do live in the middle of the woods uh, in, <laughs> in the back country of Asheville, North Carolina. i uh, lived here That's my right. whole life. Um, I currently study classical with Michael Buchanan from England on Zoom. And I study jazz with uh, Jimmy O'Connell from New York City. Um, yes, very exciting. Uh, it's all over Zoom because I, I just want to try to study with the best people I can. But next year, I'm, I will be attending UNCSA and studying with John Illica. Funny I should mention him. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and then I've, I've also had lessons with uh, Dr. Zabo from Western Carolina University. Um, and I'm planning on pursuing a jazz career. I want to be a freelance musician in New York City, um, maybe Chicago, maybe some other big city. But that's... Enough about me, um, Darren. You want to talk yeah. about like what the next couple weeks look like?
1: Yeah, we got some really, really cool people coming in and to able that we were able to talk to for all of these podcast interviews and stuff. And we once again just want to get to know them beyond the trombone. That's the goal. But we have very different people. We have some ga- jazz guests. We have some orchestral guests. Uh, maybe some social media celebrities we'll call them for trombone. They have like a ridiculous amount of followers. Big followings, yeah. And we're we're just curious to see like what stories they have, how they reacted to stuff, to stuff like that happening. Uh we might be interviewing the entire North Carolina Trombone section, which I'm really excited for. And we have a huge guest at the end of season one, which is ten episodes. So, please stick around and yes. stick around for this interview. We're going to keep too. that this secret because, uh,
0: yeah, we've got to keep that under wraps for now. But trust us when yes. we say it's going to be a big deal.
1: Yeah, follow our Instagram, 8th Position, if you want to keep up with these updates of when episodes are releasing, uh, who we're interviewing next. And I don't know, maybe we'll throw in some fun story stuff while we're mm-hmm. chilling on Instagram doing nothing.
0: <laughs> and I'm not sure where you guys but are listening that's all to I this. Got. Um, but we are. You can find us on most major podcast platforms: Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, and on YouTube as well with a video portion. You can see yes, our sir. beautiful faces as we talk. Um,
1: if that's what you want to call them. Yep.
0: But <laughs> enough about us. Uh, our guest today is Mr. John Illica. Um, both of our teachers. He's the uh, principal trombone and soloist with the North Carolina Symphony, trombone professor at the University of North Carolina School of the Arts. Uh, he got to start with the Delaware Symphony, and he was a former active freelancer in uh, Philadelphia and Venezuela. And when he was in Philadelphia, he frequently studied with Charles Vernon, who is now bass trombone in the Chicago Symphony, and he stopped with the Philadelphia Orchestra as well. Um and he's he's an amazing teacher uh everything he says just blows my mind in every lesson darian has had the opportunity to work with him more than i have but
1: yeah just just a little (laughs) just a little he's a great teacher and we are very excited to interview him today so let's actually get right into that
2: right, Mr. Illica, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you guys doing?
0: Doing all right, yeah, can't complain. Doing great,
1: yeah. doing our first podcast, which I'm really excited for. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Illica. And this is the professor of UNCSA, so he is our teacher, both yes. of our teachers, and we're excited to talk to him today.
2: Yeah, and I'm not telling you what to do as far as practicing, so that's probably even better.
1: <laughs> that's, that's a first, right?
2: <laughs> right. And yeah. it, you actually broke up my practice routine right now, which is good because I was just at a spot in my practicing today where I thought, well, am I going to just keep on playing and beat myself into a pulp, or actually stop for a ball? So this is great. This is
1: awesome. good timing. Yeah. Giving you a break. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. We all need that from time to time because I always end up, you know, going too far and destroying my
2: face and nothing gets done, you know? Yeah. Actually, learning to pace yourself is one of the things that i spend a lot of time at school doing and which i've had to do myself with some pretty notable uh exceptions where i overextended myself because i took too many gigs on one day for example uh actually i'll I'll throw in a quick little story because it's it's sort of apropos um okay yeah back in 1997 uh, i was playing a recording job for nfl films uh and it was a four hour <laughs> recording session and i don't know if you ever listened to those those nfl film things it, it's all like brass going ba ba. this it's all it's all brass. very very <laughs> yeah it's all brass it well that's what it was too it was a, a brass <laughs> ensemble it was four trombones tuba four trumpets four horns uh howard wow it, yeah and and this was done in new jersey so i played this four hour thing then I had to drive about 100 miles and I had to play a uh, a, what was actually a film score for a silent film, because back in the old days, they used to have live orchestras where the uh, screenings were and they would have the live orchestra play with the silent films. And this was uh, for the 1929 version of Ben Hur which is before the Charlton Heston one, uh, which it was actually, it's a really cool film if you ever get a chance to watch it. But the trombone part was 49 pages long. Oh, wow. (laughs) And it was almost continuous. So I went from this four hour recording marathon to playing a three hour almost continuous. And what happened? I hurt myself. I mean, literally I ended up with like a double buzz for almost a year. Wow. Um, Because I I just totally strained myself. And I I managed to play through it. Uh, But it was one of those things that, you know, I really learned that, well, you really do need to pace yourself. You're not Superman. Uh, Because I I thought when I was your age that I I was like really (laughs) strong and I could do just about anything. But, um, you know, you you learn the hard way that you really have to pace yourself sometimes. And that happens the same thing in performances. You're playing a Brookner Symphony. You gotta pace yourself in a in a different way than you would when you're uh, just playing, uh, uh, you know, something light like a, a Mozart opera. I mean, it's it's very different set of skills. So, yeah.
0: for but. sure, awesome. Well, yeah, we can go ahead and get into some of these questions. Sure. Um, so my uh, the first question we wanted to talk about, and we're probably gonna end up talking about this a lot because we're genuinely curious about people's um early experiences with music. But um, what, what in your early life um, brought you to music? What made you want to pursue it? What uh, brought about this passion?
2: Well, in 1969, <laughs> when Ooh. I was asked to, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, when I was asked to choose an instrument, I chose the tuba. But
1: oh, mistake. Well,
2: <laughs> actually, but the, the music teacher at that time, very nice uh, lady, just looked at me. And said, "You have long arms. You're playing trombone," and that was the end of my life right there. Uh, so <laughs> I had to start trombone. And if if you've ever taught a beginning student, you know that it sounds like a cow with bronchitis when you first start. Uh, yes. It's a it's a terrible sound. We've all been there, yeah. Yeah, but I I, I had fun, and uh, and I wasn't really serious about it till I got to my junior high school. Now this is, you have to remember Midwest, Bloomington, Minnesota, uh, and the band program I was in, we had 10 bands at the school. There were 600 kids in the band program. Wow! Uh, The top band had 150 people in it, and I was lucky enough to make it into the top band, but I was 15th out of 17 trombones (laughs) uh, when I was in uh, seventh grade, because back then junior high was seventh, eighth, and ninth grade uh different than it is nowadays and we had you could challenge the person next to you so by the end of that year i was second chair so i had to challenge oh. 14 <laughs> people so yeah i got, it's not that i was really aggressive but you know i was interested in being better and it, it would just uh, that's something that comes from the inside you have to want to really do that sort of thing and by the end of eighth grade, I was the first chair, uh, which doesn't sound like much. But when you've got that many bands and that so we had some really good players back then, and I still have the r- records that we made in junior high. Uh, and it's hysterical to, to listen to them nowadays. But we were playing things like Pulse Suite in E flat, uh, which in, in junior high, that's actually no. pretty hard stuff. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> um, so it, it was it was interesting. Um, Then I went to to high school and, ah, you know, it it was, I had a really good band director uh, and he was very musical and he steered me to a a good college. um, Which was Luther college, which is a little tiny teaching school in Decorah, Iowa. Uh, Okay, but in hindsight. I wish I had auditioned for something like Curtis or gone to one of the major conservatories because one of the things you get at the conservatory experience is you get to connect with different people. Whereas I was always yeah. sort of an outsider. Um, and I mean, it, I, I still managed to make a decent career, uh, but you always wonder if he had gone back in time and, and done that a little differently. Uh, by the end of college, just before the end of college, I got a call from a friend of mine who was already playing in an orchestra in Venezuela. And he said, can you send down a tape? We've got an opening for assistant principal trombone. By then I was, you know, I was okay, but you know, I I was going to send him some excerpts and I had only played, you know, in the school orchestra there. So I I didn't really know how to prepare excerpts, but I did play a solo with the concert band there. Um, It was a Piece by Walter Hartley, which you guys probably don't know, but it was no actually idea. yeah, it's called Capriccio, and it's an atonal work, which I played from memory on on a tour oh. that w- we did eleven times. Uh, I mean, it, it's 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 out there, uh, but it's it's turned out really well, and I got a decent recording. I, I sent that down, and on the basis of that, and a bottle of booze that my friend bought the uh, music director down there, uh, I got the gig. Um, <laughs> So sometimes it's who you know. uh, And that was a great start. But you know, as far as music, that's just something it's visceral, you know, just being able to play and be part of something bigger than yourself. uh, It's there's nothing like it. I mean, you're you're in a a musical team, as opposed to like a sports team. And it's not rah, rah, it's it's I mean, it's a heartfelt great feeling when things go, they all jive together. Uh, So yeah, it's it's been interesting. And this is my 51st year of playing trombone.
1: Wow, Ooh, that's a really long time. Yeah. That's a really
2: long time. Yeah, so I, I don't have that much time left, which is why I'm really anxious to get back to the orchestra. It's like, well, come on, guys, <laughs> let's get this yeah. done. Okay, I
1: definitely see that. But so you did mention Venezuela a little bit. So I am curious to know if you have any cool stories from being in Venezuela, oh boy. just a completely different area than the United States.
2: Well, you also have to remember 1981, which is when I first went when I went to Venezuela, I yeah. had not I had not studied Spanish. Uh, and I only you know found out in April, before I graduated from college that I was going to be going down and Uh, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Um, I just getting to Venezuela Mm -hmm. was, uh, a challenge because they sent me plane tickets and I was supposed to hook up with my friend who had just moved and I couldn't get a hold of him. And I didn't, like I said, I couldn't speak Spanish, so I couldn't really call the people in the orchestra office. Uh, so I ended up getting on a plane in Minneapolis flying to uh, New Orleans and then flying down to uh, Maracaibo Venezuela and didn't know anyone there and no one met me at the airport that's and so my strange. luggage was lost and oh no <laughs> I, and I had I, I had my trombone that was good uh, yes, but I that's all I didn't I did not have uh, there were no cell phones back then and it was one of those Things my friend had changed addresses and he had changed his phone number, so he told me only the last seven digits are changing. So okay, so I kept on trying. So I thought, well, I tried international operators, couldn't get a hold of anyone, and I'm sitting there waiting in line in Venezuela, just like scared out of my 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 uh, my head. It was just unbelievable being in a different country, uh, and I'm looking at the person in front of me at a phone box, and I saw him just dial a different number of uh, a, a different number. Uh, instead of 12 digits, he did 11 digits. And I was like, well, hang on, they have, like different. And I managed to get a hold of my friend by just dropping one of the digits.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I mean,
2: it was just like, and I'm, um, you know, talking to him, Hey, Kurt, uh, I'm here. And he says, where I'm, I'm in Venezuela. You're kidding me. <laughs> and so I actually got there and First thing I did, of course, was go buy a couple of beers because, you know, it, it was <laughs> like a 21 years old. But yeah, so it's it's completely different experience. Uh, Venezuela, that part of Venezuela, has only two seasons, and I I kid you not, it literally has two seasons. It has a rainy season for about five months of the year, and then the rest of the year it's completely dry. Uh, so it's it's right about four degrees above the equator. Um, and the mean temperature year round, the coolest I ever saw in three years in M- Maracaibo was maybe 72 degrees. Wow. That's the coolest. And 70. it would regu- regularly be up over a hundred degrees during the, the hot part of the year. So they had siestas there too, which you know you could count on like from one o'clock till four o'clock, no one would work. So it was a completely different, you know, setting. So I I'd, even, even the rehearsals, for example, were run in Spanish. So I had to learn, you know, tres compases antes de letra A, uh, f- three uh, uh, measures before letter A. You know, just, I had to learn the Spanish, like, really fast. Really uh, fast, total uh, version, um, yeah. Luckily speak the- speak Spanish? <laughs> uh, no, I could get by, but basically it's only future tense, present tense, past tense, uh, you know, doing, uh, predictive. Uh, It it, it gets a little complex, but I could probably, you know, order a meal, I could definitely order a drink. So
0: (laughs) that's important, right? (laughs) Again, that's all you
2: need. Yeah. And I I actually ended up teaching my second and third year in Caracas, which was a plane flight away, I was I would play my Saturday night concert and get up at four in the morning, Jump on a plane at six in the morning, because the airport was a half hour away from Maracaibo. Then fly to Caracas, which was an hour, then, which was at the bottom of the mountain, the airport, and I would take a bus up into the mountains into Caracas, which is surrounded. It's a beautiful city, by the way, absolutely gorgeous and uh they would teach for eight, nine hours, then get back on a plane, go do everything in reverse. You know, the, the, it was, it was crazy, but uh, Venezuela has if you've ever heard of the La Sistema, where they imposed uh, a national uh, set of uh, guidelines for all their music teachers, for all their music schools. Uh, and it's, still, it's used in the states now as well, uh, La Sistema, the system, in other words, uh, and it is really well thought out. Uh, and that was one, my first introduction to, oh, well, this level should play these pieces or this level. Should play that pieces. And and it was it had all the method books, had all these solos, and it was all really uh, well organized. So all you need to do is just follow the system. And uh, they had, if you ever have a chance to check out the National Youth Orchestra of Venezuela, that's based in Caracas. They are really superb. I mean, really, really, really good players. Nice. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I was introduced to that, at you know, I'm 22 years old and teaching kids that are almost as good as me that are like 17 and 18 years old. So it was like, <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, but it was it was fun. And I, I, I met a lot of really great musicians down there. And I got lost. I, I, when I first, met, okay, here's a good story. I got down there and three weeks after I, I got down there which is in june the orchestra went on break well the people i was staying with my friends went back to the states and so i was left there alone in venezuela except the friend said hey can you sub for me in this salsa band i was like uh okay and you have to remember it didn't speak spanish and it was a real salsa band and no one spoke english Uh-oh. so one day, and I was playing with these guys for a while it, it, during the summer, and it is pretty good salsa band. Uh, but guy shows up, uh, uh, calls on the phone. And he says passes to puerta," and, and, and I, I thought he said "passport," and I didn't really understand what that means. I'm going to be coming by your door, puerta. Uh, and so he shows up at my door, and he's looked at me. He's you know, "Donde está tu trombone?" You know, Where, "Where's your trombone?" So I grab my trombone. He's looking at me like there should be something else and he says, come on. So I'd get in the car. It wasn't until I got in the car that I realized we're going somewhere like <laughs> overnight somewhere. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so all of a sudden I ended up in the middle of the rainforest in Venezuela, where the lights were set up with generators and there were maybe a thousand people. And I was the only Caucasian there. And I, I was, no, it was great because, you know, they, they gave me a set of maracas and made me start a conga line because I was, I was, you know, huge compared to them because <laughs> uh, a bunch of Guahiran Indians and, uh, but it was, it was fun. But, you know, it, if anyone ever says, do you ever understand, you know, uh, people who are of a different skin color, I said, yeah, I do understand what that's like. Uh, and it, it's, it's, it, it was a lasting uh, lesson for me but i ended up eating stuff that i have no idea to this day what it was but i survived i only got food poisoning about three or four times in venezuela but oh uh, that's a that's...
1: good food at least
2: <laughs> not always uh, uh... Uh, but you know you you would stop at a roadside stand and and get some uh, one time i, I was looking at the thought Oh, this is whole wheat bread. I, I hadn't seen this in Venezuela before. Until I looked a little closer, and there were actually insects baked into the bread. Oh, because uh, the the flour had obviously gone off. Uh, that's so protein, uh, though. Well, that's what that's. <laughs> I, I took it back to the, the chef, and, and he just goes proteina, proteina. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, oh, so but you know, I was I was 21, 22 years old, and and everything was an adventure back then. So you know you roll with the punches. Uh, you know, would I go down to a, another country without speaking the language? Yeah, but I, I'd have to think about it. I mean, in two thousand five, I went down to Brazil and substituted uh, for two weeks in uh, the Sao Paulo Orchestra, which is a superb orchestra, by the way. And we were doing really wild music. This, uh, if if you ever. I doubt you have ever heard uh, Peleus and Melisande* by Arnold Schoenberg. It's one of his two major tonal works. And I say tonal with, with parentheses because it's just before he went 12 tone. And the, the 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 harmonies are absolutely insane. Uh, but I was playing alto trombone out of six trombone parts. And it was a screaming part. But I, I went down the, to Brazil again. They speak Portuguese, so my Spanish was was almost useless. Uh, I could say something to them; they'd say something back, and and I was like, "What? I mean, have you have you ever heard Portuguese? It, it's a beautiful language, but my God, how can anyone speak that? Sometimes it, it's it's, <laughs> it's 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 really difficult uh, for me to understand. But so yeah, that's the last time I was playing in a foreign orchestra. But I, I've always enjoyed it, and even if you. You know don't speak the language which luckily the guy who was playing second trombone was still a friend of mine uh, would, was t- totally fluent in english so he would translate for me but we'd play in the section i was the guest principal for a week and even though these guys couldn't understand me we were able to you know i could demonstrate something and we could figure out how to tune things uh so you know the international language of music uh, so it's it's yeah. really cool when you get to do something like Absolutely. that.
0: So what brought you out of Venezuela and back to the States? Ah,
2: 1983. The economy in Venezuela crashed uh, because of the oil. Uh, yeah. And I stay I stayed down there for one more year. But I went from and, and you guys are going to laugh. but I mean, in 1981, I was making twenty one thousand a year, which as us, you know, a, a, a kid. That's equal to about yeah. $60,000 yeah.
0: Uh,
2: yeah. And also living in Venezuela is just amazingly cheap. I mean, I, I had a maid. I, I literally had a maid <laughs> uh, that I just spent, would pay her like $5 a day and she would come in and clean the house. It was like amazing. Uh, but uh, oh so goodness. I, uh, the, the last year I was there, I went from making 21000 to all of a sudden it, Overnight, it dropped to six thousand. Uh, just because uh, everything oh, they just closed all the banks, all your savings, whatever you had in the in the banks, they just closed the banks for two weeks. And then when you got back, it was like, oh, well, you can't even take out your savings. I still have a a, a savings account somewhere. <laughs> I've made, yeah, so it's probably worth about three cents at this point. Um, but so I, I I just, you know I, I couldn't stay there making that little money cause that wasn't enough to buy like plane tickets back to the States. So I decided to go to graduate school and I auditioned, uh, in a few places. And they offered me the best deal at what is now the university of the arts in Philadelphia, but it was the Philadelphia college of performing arts. Uh, when I went there in 1984, uh, Ooh. and I got, but I got a chance to study with Charlie Vernon, his last year in Philadelphia,
1: awesome. uh, before
2: we went to, um, Chicago Symphony. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, that's, that's how I got out of Venezuela. (laughs) Basically, I just had to and I didn't know any but I knew one person in in uh, Philadelphia. Mm. And so, you know, introducing myself to the music scene there took a while. Uh, But what what actually got me started in in Philadelphia, and uh, in 1985, while I was still in grad school, I won an audition for a regional orchestra, the Delaware Symphony, which is still extant today. And it was a really good regional orchestra um, and did over 130, 140 services a year, which is a lot. You know, that's that's about 22 yeah. two weeks uh, worth of work. On the basis of that, all of a sudden, people started giving me calls as a freelancer because, oh, well, if he's won this audition, then he must be OK um and you know i would do freebies when i was first there you know go play with rehearsal orchestras and stuff like that just to meet people uh go play quintets that with people i didn't know just to again meet musicians uh but bottom line was you had to sight read your brains out um which is something i stress with students as you know uh, yeah but, <laughs> but you know sight reading is really really important uh, one of the first times I subbed with the Philadelphia Orchestra was literally, I was making bread, my hands covered with uh, flour up to my elbows, and I get a call and say, um, can you come down and, and sub uh, with the orchestra? And uh, Eric called in, Eric Carlson, the former second trombone, uh, called in sick, you know, can you come in? I was, well, when? Well, rehearsal started 10 minutes ago. Uh, so, you know. Okay, leave the bread with my wife and and <laughs> run down run downtown, which was a good half hour away. Walk into a rehearsal cold. You've got Glenn Dotson, the principal trombone for the last yeah. twenty five years, sitting oh, next boy. to you. And, uh,
1: <laughs> no pressure.
2: Yeah, and uh, and you got Charlie, and it was like oh my god. So and the piece was luckily in five eight. So it was all mixed meter. uh, Isle of the Dead by Rachmaninoff.
1: Luckily. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'm saying that ironically, because, (laughs) but luckily I didn't screw up, um, at least not too bad. And yeah, I've been subbing with Philadelphia since regularly, since the the late 1980s. Um, And on bass trombone as well as tenor trombone uh it, it, it what's funny is blair the the uh current bass trombonist he was uh curtis grad and got the gig when he was basically just out of curtis like 22 years old He got philadelphia orchestra uh and he deserved it i mean a fantastic player yeah, but good. i was doing an outdoor concert with them uh and it was janicek symphoneta which calls for four trombones and blair didn't look at the part <laughs> and and uh, so he let me have the third part, which has the solo, you know, if, except it's on bass trombone and they didn't tell me it was bass trombone. Luckily I, I play bass trombone. I always have. Uh, so it, it wasn't really b- that big a deal, but same thing happened, um, uh, a few years later where we were playing, um, guru leader. No, Yeah, it was Girl Leader, which again, Arnold Schoenberg, huge trombone section, seven trombones that time. Uh, And they gave me the fourth tenor trombone part, which is actually a bass trombone part. It says tenor bass, but and it had all these solos, which uh, which were for, you know, bass trombone. I've got Sir Simon Rattle conducting, and I have the solo, so it's like there's... There are uh, literally close to 400 people on stage. The orchestra was was double woodwind sections, had to be got uh, like I said, seven trombones, eight horns, you know, six or seven trumpets. I mean, it was just massive in their chorus of 300. And I've got like Simon Randall pointing at me and and you know giving me a cue. It's like scariest stuff ever. But it, <laughs> it, it was, pressure. Yeah, so it was it was great fun and and the whole time. Blair's just looking at me out of the corner. He's, he's just going, I gave him a soul. He was so pissed off at himself. <laughs> so. so the the point of that is, make sure you look at the music ahead of time.
1: <laughs> yes,
0: so. Yeah, might help out a little bit, just a little. That's awesome, yeah. yeah. No, Fun. Switching. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, please. I figure we could switch gears a little bit here. Um, as we I know you touched on this a little earlier, but um, you know I'm, I'm just bringing this up because I'm, I'm since you said something about it I'm interested to hear a little bit more fleshed out your opinion on it but what what are your thoughts on um, on this massive simultaneous transition to virtual playing that we've all
2: gone through this past year oh, horrible it's it's really <laughs> frustrating because the skills that I consider most important, which are instantaneously playing in tune with people, playing great ensemble with people, are almost meaningless in this virtual environment because you can play with a click track if you're using acapella or or band and lab, you can have multiple tries at stuff. Whereas, you know, I come from the school, of you get it right the first time or you don't get hired again, uh, which is, a very different uh skill set that being said i'm noticing that recording yourself regularly is something that we used to do anyways but now with all these these great tools like uh you know what we have right here i think it's actually a great opportunity for students to improve but you know you gotta weigh the live playing against the the recorded stuff that you can do over and over so somewhere there has to be a balance and I haven't quite figured out where that is yet uh, but it, it's really worthwhile to do and I hear some great things um, my second trombone, the assistant principal Jonathan Randazzo, who's coming to teach a master class in April, is excellent at overdubbing himself Oh yeah uh, and, and just fantastic and he, and he has good recording stuff of course he's single. <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> you know, he uh, doesn't have a kid in college, which I have a kid in college. Uh, I mean, it's, you have to put out some money. I, I put all my money into my trombones mm-hmm. and, you know, all, all that. So I've, I've, you know, superb stuff there. I've, you know, great mutes, uh, great mouthpieces, everything I could do for the playing aspect. I have not made the big investment in, in the recording upgrade. Uh, which is something that probably need to do. I um, uh, Need to get some recommendations on that. So maybe you guys can, clue, you know, clue me into that at some point. Here.
0: <laughs> sure, I'm not sure, sure. How much yeah. I can help, but.
2: Well, actually, uh, you know, I, Lawson, I look at your setup. Even just having that microphone—that's a, a good-sounding microphone.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, yeah and it was it was inexpensive too. Um, is you? There's a lot of good gear out there that that, yeah. You know, it's not really worth shelling out you know, $600 where you can get one for a hundred dollars. That's just a little bit, a little bit below par, you know?
2: Right. And that's, again, something I, I need to do, uh, is to, to do that. Uh, but you know, I, I still practice with the idea of playing with people again, uh, rather than playing with a recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can do it, but it, it, again, it's, you can, to tune with someone live, is a challenge. It's, it's like multitasking at its at its best. Um, so that's that's one of the reasons I really am pining for playing in the group. So we've done some small group stuff, but our first orchestra uh, gig that we've had in a year will be in week after next, where we're doing a pops concert. Uh, and exciting. yeah, it'll we'll be but. Even then, you know, of course, we're having to do things like the brass and winds are getting tested twice the week before uh, by contract uh, so that, you know, we're not going to be a danger to other people. I'm going to have to wear one of those silly uh, bell bras, uh, whatever you want to call them. (laughs) Uh,
1: That's
2: (laughs) a good word for them. Yeah. uh, It's just like, well, okay. I mean, have you guys tried one of those yet? Mm Mm-hmm yeah they're, they're, i mean they're miserable i mean you get a little bit of backwash on it and it's just there's a little back pressure it's a little un, unpleasant it, it works and it, if it makes the string players happy then i guess it's worth it for the meantime but hopefully everyone will get their vaccine i've got my first shot oh um,
1: awesome yay uh, yeah
2: awesome. yeah well it's it's because i'm dealing with all these high school students and they consider that frontline worker now uh but <laughs> but yeah, I in mean, recording, it, it's, it's something we always used to do a lot, uh, back, of course, when I would use these handheld recorders that you could play them back at half speed. I mean, you can do that with Audacity, uh, freeware, of course, a little more effort, but, you know, just play something back half speed and you could check your rhythm, like you're playing the ride or something like that. Uh, uh, I'd listen to, Bobby, Bobby, you know, that slow and like, oh, okay. My rhythm does suck, so it, it, you know you can fix it <laughs> that way. Whereas nowadays you have, like all these great tools, but yeah, I, I I've been asked to do a few things, and you know we did a Christmas thing with the section, um, and that was fun. But you know I, I I just am waiting to go back to play the big orchestra, and that's all that's right. what I've always wanted to do, and I, I've always always loved it. And you know you have to remember this is my twentieth season with North Carolina Symphony. And up until a year ago, we played about 140 plus concerts a year, just concerts. So you put in all all the different services, the the rehearsals, the traveling. Uh, We were always really busy for the 41, 42 weeks of the season, regular season. Then we have a summer season as well, which they split up about three weeks of work over seven weeks. Um, but I've never had this sort of just practice at home, which is really hard because you have to, if you want to stay in shape, it's a lot more work. You don't have, uh, orchestra rehearsals just to help you stay in shape, you know, so I have to adapt for that. I end up practicing even more than I would normally, uh, you know, on a, on a, on a re- day where I had double rehearsal, I would warm up for maybe a half an hour and that's it, but now I have to play at least one and a half to two hours a day, just to get something approaching the sort of strength that I'm gonna need when I get back, because it's gonna be just boom, right back into to working uh, in the orchestra. So it's 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 very different. So yeah, yep. and this gets back to conditioning yourself. You have to uh, make sure that you have everything from your high up down to your pedals. Uh, to that end, I ended up playing my bass, tenor and alto, all three of them each day. Uh, which is really good, as far as uh, just helps condition the lips uh, in a way that most people just have no idea how how, uh, how tough it can be. Uh, but yeah, so I, I'm actually in really good shape. Also, I played a recital just a week ago. And when I heard the recording it was like, Oh, I've gotten into some weird habits. And because I just hadn't played a, a recital in over a year. And it was it was good because now that I listen, to it, it's like, okay, now that I can fix and that I can fix. So yeah, the recording stuff is good. I, I think you and you guys doing this sort of thing right here, that is the way to reach other uh, young musicians nowadays. Uh, and, you know, when I, <laughs> Uh, if i wanted to listen to a piece i would have to go buy a recording either a cassette tape or an lp and if i wanted to follow along with scores there was no imslp i would actually have to buy a score and i still have a, a some scores like one for miraculous mandarin baila bartok uh, and i paid 70 bucks for that score back in the 1980s because uh, it was imported from hungary uh, so i mean <laughs> You have so much more resources now uh, that it, it actually, I think it can be confusing for young musicians because they get, you know, seduced by all the electronic stuff.
0: Definitely. Yeah. It's easy to get swept up in it.
2: Yeah. And, and it's just, that's not the same. And, and the thing is when I'm listening to an audition, I can tell people who've played an orchestra or played in, in large ensembles and those who haven't. Um, yeah. Uh, it's. You can hear it almost immediately. I mean, you make up your mind in auditions, and I've heard hundreds, hundreds of auditions at this point, probably within the first 30 seconds. Uh, when, when you're listening to someone, that's why most auditions are less than five minutes long. You know, people coming three and out, three and out, three excerpts and out. That's it. Um, so it's it's really un, it's not that it's unfair, but it it is kind of unfair. So I, I wish We've had taped auditions for prelims sometimes in the last couple of years. Uh, and I kind of like that because we can tell people not to waste their time. Mm-hmm. To waste, you know, when I went to auditions and I went to, when I was in the hunt uh, back in the late eighties and nineties, um, I, I probably went to 30, 40 auditions. And you think about that. It, and as a freelancer, you go to an audition, you have to, take whatever time that you can't take any work during that time, which means you're not making money and you also have to pay for your plane ticket and hotel rental car, whatever, all, all that stuff. It all adds up. We used to be able to deduct all that stuff. And I think you probably can still deduct travel costs, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it, it was a different animal completely
0: for sure. <laughs>
2: Absolutely. Well, taking a break from,
1: I guess the music side of things I am curious about, uh, just a little more personal side of things for you. So what are some hobbies that you do like outside of trombone playing outside of the orchestra? Because you do post a lot of stuff on Instagram and it's just, we're just curious.
2: Yeah. I mean, for one thing, my wife and I love animals, so we've always had cats and we have a dog and, and two kids. Um, (laughs) <laughs> uh, so as far as outside of the orchestra i've always been a baker i've always oh. i've been making bread since i was 12 years old um uh i mean you name the soda bread i i can make it i, I used to actually make strudel uh, oh, that's awesome from from scratch which you you when you make the dough and you stretch it on the back of your hands. <laughs> it, it's thin enough that you can read newspaper through it. It literally strudel door is thinner than phyllo pastry. Wow. Uh, so, and then when you roll it up and, and make the, the strudel with, with nuts and all, all sorts of fruits and all that sugar and that, uh, it, it's it's just nothing like the store-bought stuff. Mm-hmm. And I learned that from my my grandmother. Who was a pastry chef at the palmer house in chicago which if you ever go to chicago that's like one of the premier places and she was a pastry yeah. chef during world war ii um and she learned it in austria um so yeah I, here, here's an interesting fact i'm the youngest son of a youngest son and my grandmother was born in 1886 and she lived to be 100 and i actually uh she grew up she stayed with us for most of uh, my growing up years Uh, um so she only died in 1986 but i used to hear stories of her you know from before world war one regularly uh so really interesting to have that sort of uh connection mind-blowing definitely yeah
1: yeah Yeah, we're learning about that that era in history so yes That's crazy to hear. And uh, you do, since you're a baker, since you're a baker, uh, you wanna bring some for the trombone studio here? I have in the uh, past. Share um, some cookies and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'll,
2: no, I'll, I'll, I'll bring some loaves of bread. Um, to, <laughs> or, or, you know, one of the things I make for my, my kids, because they like it so much, is something called langouche, which is a sort of fried bread dough. So you take the bread dough, and just before the second rising, you cook it in a pan. Usually I use, uh, virgin olive oil, cook it in that. And it's like, it has a slightly different texture, almost like English muffin texture, but you know, Mm -hmm. cooked and you've got good bread dough in in olive oil. And it's just, you you cut it open slash, you know, slab on some sour cream or something like that. It's fantastic.
1: Sounds like it, it, Sounds great. So That's awesome.
2: Yeah, so I I love cooking. I I used to love traveling. Uh, uh that that doesn't much happen anymore.
0: Yeah, it's a little tougher now.
2: I'm not so crazy about driving nowadays. Uh, I'm just I've hit that point. I've I've worked it out, based based on uh, the cars that I've had. One car I traded in at fifty thousand. One died at one hundred eighty thousand. One died at three hundred plus thousand. And I have two hundred fifty seven thousand. No, it's two hundred fifty nine thousand on my current car. So I figure I'm up around 850,000 miles.
1: Miles?
2: <laughs> wow. <laughs> so thank, driving. And I'm not even a truck driver. So uh, <laughs> a lot of that was just freelancing. Yeah, and yeah that, that's it. a this, lot of a freelancer. Yeah, this last year, I went, each of the last 10 years, I've driven at least twenty-four to uh, 30,000 miles. This last year, I only drove 14,000 because of, you know, Ooh. You know, we went online for the spring uh, yeah. and the orchestra is not doing anything much except recording uh, live concerts uh, downtown. So and even then, the winds and brass haven't been allowed to play for the last couple of months. But that's all coming back finally. And hopefully yes. by this summer, we're going to have we have a beautiful outdoor venue at the Coca Booth Amphitheater in Raleigh here. Terry, actually, and I'm looking forward to that because. Outdoor, I think, is going to be the answer for a lot of people. They'll feel more comfortable. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a while before we see full concert halls again. That's right. I
0: Absolutely. Because yeah, I, I watch I've been going back and watching a lot of videos of, of specifically the Chicago Symphony um, from from back in the day and seeing these these full amphitheaters or I don't even know, that's the word, just theaters. Of people mm-hmm. sitting right next to each other packed in there, it's like sardines. It's just, it's a, a repulsive view now. You know, <laughs> it makes me we've freak all out. been conditioned to believe that that's like no, that's bad. We can't do that. So it's, yeah. it's interesting.
2: It's 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 going to be it's going to be different. I mean, I'm imagining they're going to be putting every other seat at the uh, probably at the best case scenario uh, for a while, or. You know, uh, somehow figuring. I mean, the seating problem is going to be interesting because the pandemic is not going to go away. I mean, we're. I know we're going to get control of it with the uh, the vaccines, but it's not going to go away really quickly. So we're going to have to alter our product, or at least the venues where we uh, pr- uh, produce this product, to, to accommodate people's just concerns. You know, it, it's yeah. it's it's going to be really hard for a while. Uh, and to get people to come back to the concert hall. Uh, well
1: we'll, we'll see what what's thankfully for musicians we like to evolve a little bit and change our craft, so we should be able to put out nice products. But I I definitely would like to eventually play in a symphony or an orchestra or something like that. That's just a nice feeling. Or even playing in like a large wind ensemble.
2: So that is something that it will be missed big time. Well, one good thing that has happened. I know this, you probably didn't want me to go back to it but um <laughs> it, we, we ended up playing more brass quintet music uh in the, yeah, in small the last ensembles. yeah and the small ensembles being more responsible uh didn't have that many people on stage we had a limit of 10 people that could be on stage uh, anyways uh, and it i've played some brass quintet over the last 15 years or so but it's all been sort of like pickup work when i was in philadelphia the last four or five years I was there. I played in a group called Philadelphia Brass, which was a professional quintet that was touring and would rehearse every week. And uh, we made recordings uh, and it made me realize how much I really missed doing that. You know, playing playing with other musicians that, and, and you, you perfect something. Uh, I mean, the, the Christmas CD that we produced back in 95 or something like that, it's still doing well. Um, so I'm I'm always surprised at you know how how good something when you work at that hard at it. And I was really happy to play some quintet stuff again. And we have some really great players here uh, in the symphony. Um, uh, one of them, the t- tuba player that teaches at School of the Arts as well, Seth Horner. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, just so much fun to do that sort of thing. Uh, we just made a recording at School of the Arts uh, just a couple of weeks ago. We'll see if. We have to do a few more dub sessions or not um patch sessions but this crazy piece and mixed meter um that it was just good to play with good players again you know just yeah, uh, i didn't yeah. care anyways what, what's the worst gonna happen i'm gonna get sick well i'm already sick i mean i've already gotten autoimmune disease so it it, it really doesn't scare me at this point so yeah. i'm just happy to play again absolutely it's good that we've been
0: able to adapt like that. And you, you see guys like, like uh, Chris Bill and and Jim Nova that have, you know, built their legacy on these these, these overdubs. You know, and it's it right. like people like that have have already been ahead of the curve for a while, but a well, lot of us are are left playing catch up.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're copying them. We're trying to at least.
2: <laughs> Actually, you mentioned Jim Nova. Um, I just noticed that he's doing uh something on uh, overdubbing uh on instagram Mm -hmm. so look look for him on 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 instagram and i think nikki abisi uh, who's uh yeah yeah and she she's a very good player as well um she's actually married to colin the uh yeah associate principal yes Yes. (laughs) so nice connection there jim i actually know jim i actually played in a a uh, low brass ensemble with him uh we did a concert uh, oh, uh 2010 or so uh that it was myself uh a guy named darren who, who plays in the sao paulo orchestra that's my connection there uh we had carol jance the tuba player from philadelphia uh and with jim nova and there was one other guy um drawing a blank a second, who plays principal in, in Baltimore Symphony for the, that year. So, I mean, it was like great players. And I, just hearing Jim and his work ethic is pretty impressive. I mean, he's he's a great guy. His yeah. uh, you. I mean, he's amazingly talented. He's also single, by the way, so he can get away with doing that stuff. Uh, you know, buying the extra horns. Uh, getting all the custom mouthpieces,
1: the Nova squadron.
2: <laughs> yes. But uh, he's, he's a great guy to work with. Uh, and that's not always the case. I, I used to have a lot more fun when I was freelancing in Philadelphia because you, you'd meet people and then you'd go to a different group, meet different people, or, or work with different people. When you're working in an orchestra, like NC symphony or Philly, you're playing next to the same person for maybe one or two decades. So, you yeah. have to interact with people in a very different way. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I used to play practical jokes in Philadelphia, I would not dare do that here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I miss playing practical jokes. That, that was actually more fun. But, yeah. You can bring okay. it back
1: before you retire from trombone or something. Just like your last two years, start yeah. doing some funny
0: stuff. No point in leaving <laughs> that completely in the past.
2: That's true. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, on that note, uh, I think we can go ahead and start wrapping things up. Okay. Thank you so much for uh, talking with us today. This has been awesome. This is such an awesome experience that you're yes. willing to do this with us. My pleasure, and,
2: and, I, and I hope you can edit it down to something that's usable.
1: Oh yeah. Of course, sure. all Definitely. of it's usable, really. Yes. And really I gotta is. say, your dedication to like everything, like to teaching, because you said you, you drive like I think an hour and a half, two hours, just to it's, get to it, school to teach or something.
2: Best case scenario is hour 45 each Hour
1: 45? Yeah, that's awesome. Your dedication to teaching, to yeah. trombone, because you're tripling on the daily. I don't know many players that do that like ever, honestly. Mm-hmm. And that's
0: just, it's awesome. It's really I respect it so it much. It really is, especially because with it, that's demonstrated, too, with the with what you said about Venezuela, with going down there, knowing no one, not even knowing the language, how to get in touch with anyone and getting on your feet down there. I don't know if there's, there's something really inspiring about that, that dedication
2: Either yeah, that the, the blind headed stupidity of, of going to a different country <laughs> without knowing where you're ending up. Uh, but
0: well, it worked it, out for you.
2: Yeah, it did. It did. It did. It did. And sometimes, you know, you take a step back and it's like, well, okay, you learn from it and you, you, the, the thing is we all make mistakes. Even St. Alessi in New York has made a mistake at least once I heard it live. Uh, But (laughs) it's, it's always good to learn from what life throws at you. Absolutely. And I appreciate the chance to work with you guys today and hopefully we'll work more intensely next year together and hopefully get, some Definitely. we've got an awesome group of of twelfth graders next year. Awesome. uh yeah! It look looks like they're going to be five. Some another guy just auditioned. Yes. um yes. So, we we should be able to <laughs> at least put together a decent uh trombone little choir that for the the high school guys by themselves. Like
0: to hear absolutely. Sweet. All so right. basically,
1: uh, if you're a high schooler or college student or graduate, uh, please apply to UNCSA. We would yes. love for you to you
0: come Oh UNCSA, we would love your application.
2: Well, and actually for next year, not this, I mean, for 2022 which would be, uh, yeah, the, the season, we'll have an assistantship uh, open. Uh, mm. But I've always been able to find extra money for people who play bass trombone, for example. Because it's so hard to find bass trombonists nowadays. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm happy to always work with that. All right. Well, thanks, guys. And Thank you. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. You bet. <laughs>